We're pregnant. Bro, do you even live? I can't eat another one. One is usually bigger than the other. That tastes awful. It won't hurt a Wait, bit. Why is it leaking? Did you Whoa. hear that? That's that smell. was not oh, there yesterday. Have a second of it's it's totally my natural hair color. Girl That's a close to look like that. Don't worry. That was deadly. I'm Terrell. And I'm Iris. Welcome to Health Science for the rest of us, a podcast where we take a super practical look at the body, its shenanigans, and the world of fascinating ways we try and keep it healthy. This definitely won't replace a trip to your doctor's office, but it may help you make heads or tails of how to live in your body better. More important than that, this podcast will help you look like a total badass at your next Facebook debate. You did it again. We can edit that later. Let's Let's do do this. Our bodies usually manage lots of processes with the precision of a well-tuned machine. But sometimes things go wrong and nothing flies completely off the rails quite like fat storage. Lots of creatures need body fat to stay alive, but pound for pound, humans are the fattest animals on the earth and we're getting fatter every year. How does that happen? Are we eating too few bananas? Drinking too much tap water? Not pulling the plastic wrap around our bellies tight enough during exercise? Everybody and their mama has an opinion on the matter, but it seems hardly anyone agrees. So to get to the bottom of things, we decided to jump back down the rabbit hole. This week's adventure is the second part of a two-part series where we explored human body fat. The two parts are meant to go together, but you don't have to listen to them together and you don't have to listen to them in order if you don't want to. In the first part of the series, we talked about what body fat is and what it's doing inside the human body. The take-home message was that body fat is an important part of keeping the humans alive and doesn't become a problem until there is too much extra of it. In the second part of this series, this part, we'll wade through some stuff like what dietary fat is, since it's not the same as the fat found inside our bodies. And of course, as promised, we'll also look at what happens when the fat inside our bodies goes completely apeshit, and why it's so hard to get back on track once we've fallen off the wagon. Each part of this body fat series has its own fair share of random, kooky, eyebrow-raising tidbits. But taken together, the two parts play off one another and they produce some insanely cool and fascinating body fat insights that just may change the way you think about your saddlebags. So enough intro already. Let's do this. In the last 50 years or so, having too much extra body fat has become more and more common It's hard to tell from images in our magazines or our TV shows, but in America, more than 33% of us are overweight, and about another 33% are obese. Just how we got here is quite complicated. It's true that throughout history, societies that become richer also become fatter, but at bottom, our current situation basically boils down to our body's reaction to the way we eat, and the way we exercise. And I know right now you may be thinking, big whoop, 
That's just common knowledge, and we've heard that before. Well, you probably have heard something about it before, but not like this. Did you know your body wants to keep every scrap of extra fat it can get a hold of? That's right, every scrap. You may dread that moment you wake up and notice you've gained a few more extra pounds, but your body, it practically throws a little party. That's because among other things, fat storage is a huge part of how our bodies have evolved to fight starvation. Back in ye olden times, our ancestors had to go weeks and weeks without much to eat other than things like berries and grass and tree bark. Like many animals, their bodies used the food they ate to make just enough energy for meeting their immediate needs. There was just no such thing as saving some for later, and many people died as a result, until their bodies evolved stomachs that could stretch to make space for extra food, and body fat cells that could also stretch to store energy from that extra food in the form of lots and lots of greasy little fat droplets. After that, whenever our ancestors got lucky and found a huge mound of snackums, they could eat their fill, burning some of the energy right away to stay alive, while saving the rest in their fat cells to be burned later. This same system has been with us for thousands of years, so it sort of makes sense that this whole saving fat for energy at all costs thing is a pretty hard habit for our bodies to break. And with today's typical American lifestyle, the system is sitting pretty. As long as we have enough money, we never face starvation. We can order just about any kind of eats we want. And lots of times, we can get them delivered right to our doorstep. We've gotten so good at producing and distributing food that we can even eat lots of things that used to be rare and hard to get like dairy products, meats, fast foods, and pre-prepared meals. We're basically making it rain food, but our bodies are still hell-bent on saving every extra giblet like we're five minutes away from the next great famine or something. Add to that the fact that modern technology reduces the need for us to move around very much, and you've got a perfect storm for out-of-control body fat. One of the main factors in how we help our body fat to go wild is this relatively new thing where we aren't being active enough to burn all the energy that we eat. And when we don't burn all the energy we eat, it just gets stored away as fat. That may sound like a no-brainer at first, and you may even be thinking that this lack of physical activity stuff doesn't apply to you. I know that's what I think whenever I hear about it on the news. By my logic, I get plenty of exercise. I park at the back of the parking lot. I climb at least six steps to get into my home each night. During a good week, I even work out at the gym a few times. Lots of us think we have active lifestyles because we make a point to walk around the building on our lunch break, or we find time to work out during the week. But if we really start to think about how we spend most of our waking hours, we're probably a lot less active than we think. And our modern technological advances have played a big part in that. 
Consider all the activities we do during the day that don't actually require us to be very active at all. We ride places instead of walking. We load things into shopping carts instead of hauling them around with the strength of our muscles. Rather than using tools like hand saws or screwdrivers, we use power tools like chainsaws and power drills. We ride on mowers to cut the grass. We use vacuums to clean our floors. We use washing machines to scrub our clothes. And don't forget about little things like electric pencil sharpeners, can openers, microwave ovens that heat the food without the humans having to start a fire, and sports-themed video games that the humans play instead of going outside to play actual sports. Yep, this is all technology's fault. You know you love me. On top of overestimating how much we move each day, we also underestimate how much exercise we need in order to burn all the extra energy we eat. So the 30 minutes we spend breaking a sweat every other morning may not be enough to offset how we basically sit still and use gadgets for most of the day. To be fair, not everyone with extra body fat falls into this trap. Some of us have jobs or hobbies where we get to move around all gangbusters, but our body fat can still go wild from how we're eating. In part one of this series, we talked a little about how digestion works and how foods you eat can wind up getting stored inside the body's fat cells in the form of body fat. We also talked about how body fat, fat cells, and fat are all described by the word fat, even though they were clearly three different things. Well, to make matters worse, we also use the term fat to describe dietary fat which is the fat found in the foods we eat. Dietary fat that we eat helps us to absorb vitamins from our food and also helps our bodies make compounds that we use to regulate blood clotting and inflammation and for building structures like cell membranes. If you're thinking we're about to tell you how eating dietary fat is also what sends your body fat system off the rails, think again. Plot twist. It's actually more complicated than that. Surprise, surprise. When things are under control, our bodies can make body fat out of practically anything we eat, be it carbs, proteins, or fats. But the part of food that causes the most trouble when body fat goes wild is calories. Or too many calories, to be exact. Calories come up in common conversation all the time. But I'll bet no one has ever asked you to describe what a calorie even is. If they did, you might imagine that calories are ingredients in the foods we eat, just like vitamins or minerals. But a calorie isn't an ingredient at all. It's actually a small number value that we use to represent the amount of energy we can get from digesting different kinds of foods. Technically, the value of one calorie is the amount of energy it takes to raise the temperature of a gram of water by one degree, but when the humans apply this counting system to foods, they use the word calorie when what they really mean is kilocalorie, which is 1000 calories. This means that a label on an ice cream carton that says one serving has 180 calories literally means that one serving of that ice cream has 180 kilocalories or 180,000 calories. Because math. Well, yes, math, but 
A better take on that ice cream carton is that one serving could yield 180,000 calories of energy minus whatever energy our body had to use to digest it. Calories are normally important because we need energy for living and growing, but our bodies only need a certain amount to survive. In fact, the average 160 pound person only needs about 1700 kilocalories of energy each day just to stay alive. Of course, if they're actually getting out of bed each day and doing things like street fighting or other errands, they'll need to eat more. But if they eat too much more, or more than they need to complete their body's daily activities, their bodies just start saving the rest for a rainy day. It's when we've eaten so many extra calories that our body fat system starts flying off the handle. Then if we retaliate, it fights like the dickens to hold on to every hard-earned drop. And it does so with a bunch of redundant biochemical processes so if we do manage to outsmart one fat storage process, others just pop up in its place to maintain that rampant pace of body fat storage. Why is your body fighting tooth and nail to keep too much body fat? It basically thinks it knows better than you. You may not be worried about that non-existent food crisis lurking around the next corner, but your body is freaking out. And for good reason. Kind of. To your body, giving up its fat stores is like throwing away perfectly good energy or going into your refrigerator and throwing everything into the trash can or opening your front door in the dead of winter to let all the heat out. To your body, letting go of your body fat just seems like a stupid thing to do. But we know that it's not a stupid thing to do. We know that too much extra body fat has been linked to things like circulatory disease, diabetes, chemistry changes that cause problems in how our organs work, cancer, and inflammation in places we might not expect, such as the hands. Nevertheless, our body's stubborn position on keeping body fat causes all hell to break loose the harder we try to get rid of it. Our bodies make us crave sugary and high-calorie foods because they're easy to turn into body fat. And if we try to eat fewer calories, our bodies react by burning fewer calories. If we eat fewer still, our bodies try to save them by slowing down our metabolism. To an extent, the more we try to get rid of extra body fat by eating fewer calories, the more our bodies just start figuring out ways to store the same amount of fat anyway. The bottom line is that once we've started eating too many calories, our bodies just get used to dealing with too many calories. And then they kind of forget what life was like before too many calories. That shit cray. What? What? All right, I'm going to have to adjust your... Wait, where's the... That particular instance of biological conundrum is rather perplexing and unfortunate. E. That's more like it. Anyway, people call this challenge the Battle of the Bulge, but it's really more like a war of wills. We want to be healthy by keeping a reasonable level of body fat, but our bodies are far more hard-pressed to fight starvation than to worry about weight gain. So the struggle is real. 
And it seems like the harder we try, the more out of control the problem gets. So it's no surprise that the running list of harebrained ideas for dropping the pounds is pretty long. And the list of people trying to sell us those harebrained ideas is probably longer. For lots of us, raging body fat has gotten so out of hand that all around the country, we're trying detox cleanse teas and African mango fasts and all manner of appetite wranglers and supplement powders for three easy payments of $19.99. An entire industry has sprung up. Apparently, half of the advice books on the New York Times bestsellers list are about weight loss. But sadly, many of these books and diet plans are based on playing the same losing game we just talked about. Namely, feeding the fire of a body fat system gone haywire by taking away its sweet, sweet calories. For some of the most popular approaches, the term diet is used to describe the amount of food we should eat, or the amount of certain kinds of food we should eat, in order to bring our body fat under control. And they often involve changing our eating habits through portion control, or simply eating fewer calories. You may have heard them called fad diets, or bad medicine diets. And hopefully you've also heard that they basically don't work. People who try to use them usually lose weight at first, but then they gain it back again. And then maybe they lose a little more, but gain it back. Again, people trying these diets can never seem to lose enough weight, and it always comes back. And the weight they're losing doesn't even make a big difference in taming the overall problem. Part of the problem with these dieting strategies is they focus on losing weight, like water weight, but not necessarily on losing body fat. They also often ignore the importance of exercise, which we'll get back to in a moment. Probably the worst effects of cutting calories with fad diets is that using them can cause poor nutrition, loss of muscle mass, and hormone imbalances, whose effects include changes in hormones that actually impact how your body controls body fat in the first place. You should also mention that even if the humans manage to lose some weight this way, they may have a lower quality of life. Oh yes, that brings us to this episode's wacky science research. We're learning more and more all the time about what happens when body fat goes haywire. And some of that has come from studies that did things like comparing twins who had different diets and tracking volunteers from state prisons who were asked to eat as much as possible while their weight was monitored. Some of the most interesting studies looked at how dramatic attempts to lose body fat impacted people's weight, but also their life satisfaction. Back in the 1990s, for example, a group of scientists tried to put people inside of a large but closed environment called the Biosphere 2 Dome. Polly Shore was not invited. The whole point of this experiment was to see if humans could survive by living minimally among various plants and animals. And a key part of the study was that the volunteers had to eat a low-calorie diet. Not surprisingly, they all lost weight, but they were also miserable. They bickered constantly and often squabbled over mealtime portion sizes. 
They were so cranky that they started calling their living space the Hunger Dome. Jennifer Lawrence was not invited. In another experiment, during the draft, volunteers were invited to participate in a starvation study in order to avoid military service. Their calories were cut in half for six months, and they kept to a busy schedule of daily walks. All of the volunteers lost weight, but they found themselves so obsessed with food that they often rummaged through the garbage cans, collected eating utensils, and fantasized about food for hours. When the study was over, all of the volunteers gained back the weight they lost, but also developed bad eating habits, especially overeating. So the moral of the story is that when our bodies think we're in desperate situations, they resort to desperate behavior. And just as our body fat systems seem to come unhinged, so can our mental health. And to add insult to injury, these dramatic calorie-cutting strategies that make us so hangry don't even work to bring our body fat back under control. But as a quick side note, here are some other common steps people might take to try and get the job done once and for all. Most of them involve drugs and surgery, and they aren't perfect either. Some medicines, like Xenicol, work by helping our bodies to pass fat without absorbing it. But the effects don't last, and it costs $1,000 a year. Other ideas like Olestra or NutraSweet are supposed to help you eat less, but they may also cause our bodies to flush out much-needed nutrients. And that's bad. Caffeine is another idea people have tried, thinking it would help them burn more calories. But these small effects don't last, and no one has even proven that using caffeine to lose extra body fat is actually safe. Half of a million of the humans get liposuction each year, but they all regain the weight that was removed after about six months, and half of them end up weighing more than they did before the surgery. We also have bariatric surgery, but that's more of a last resort for people at risk of being desperately ill for reasons related to their weight. And after the surgery, there is still something of a challenge to keep a healthy weight and good nutrition. Does it seem like this episode has basically been one long buzzkill? Well, maybe. Until now. Because despite all of the extreme and sometimes bizarre strategies we've tried, the most effective way to get back on the wagon and back in control of extra body fat is incredibly simple. In theory. The all-time most complete and perfect approach to taming body fat gone wild has actually been with us for eons, and it's summed up in these five words. The five words are, eat less, move around more. But you just finished making all the humans sad by talking about how eating less makes them grouchy and doesn't work in the long run. That's true. Cutting calories by trying to eat less food is just dreadful. But it is possible to absorb fewer calories without bothering with any of that. But what about math? Oh, the math still works. Consider this. Earlier, we said that the amount of energy we get from food is the number of calories the food has minus whatever energy our bodies had to use to digest it. This means if we eat foods that are high in nutrition but naturally low in their calorie yield, we can feel full without overdoing it 
we're taking in so many calories that our bodies have enough left over to make body fat. That sounds like black magic. It's not magic. Many foods, like ones that grow out of the ground, have lots of nutrients, but not that many calories. They also take more work to digest, which means that the calories that they do have only become available to us after we've used plenty of calories to get to them. They're basically energy-expensive foods, and the situation they create is the exact opposite of the one where our bodies were getting easy energy without having to work too hard for it. Changing what we eat, not necessarily how much we eat, can give us more of a fighting chance when it comes to trying to prevent out-of-control body fat. And when we couple that with real exercise, not just the kind you get when you stand still at your desk instead of sitting still, we can really put ourselves on the right track because our body doesn't confuse exercise with famine the way it does when we suddenly start eating less food to cut calories. I don't know about you, but to me, eating healthy foods and burning 250 extra calories during a workout sounds a heck of a lot better than skipping 250 calories by only drinking water for lunch. All in all, as far as lifestyle changes go, this just seems like a more doable way to protect ourselves from our body's runaway anti-starvation system. If this approach is so simple, why does it only work in theory? Why aren't more of the humans doing it and having more success? Well, for one thing, it doesn't account for other stuff that impacts body fat, like stress and the quality of our gut bacteria and medicines we may be taking, and other health challenges like problems with our thyroid. Also, a lot of habits that send our body fat into a frenzy are pretty delicious. Convenience foods are, well, convenient, and they usually taste great and arrive quickly, even though they've got a ton of extra empty calories from stuff like added sugars and salts. And I'm sure lots of people will agree that it's much easier to relax at the end of the day than to drag ourselves outside for a brisk jog or a weightlifting session. And anyway, some of us are just really busy. So busy that we wind up having to choose between getting a workout, fixing a home-cooked meal, or getting another hour of sleep. And our demanding work and school environments aren't helping either. Some schools don't have recess anymore. And not all workplaces encourage staff to move around during the workday. Walking has been shown to be an excellent option for exercise, but not all of us have safe places to go if it rains or gets dark too early. So learning about healthy choices is a step in the right direction, but it can still be hard to follow through, especially if we've got lofty goals or we want fast, dramatic results or we just don't have the resources we need. It's as much of a public health challenge as it is a personal health challenge, but it is one we can overcome bit by bit by making meaningful but sustainable changes wherever we can. It seems I am lucky not to have a body at all. Ha! <laughs> you should be so lucky. Bodies are awesome. So the story of body fat gone wild is both very simple and very complicated. But if you're listening to this and thinking there's no hope, don't give up. Showing wild body fat who's boss may be difficult. 
but it's not impossible, and we don't always have to move mountains in order to make good progress. The National Institutes of Health says that if we can manage to lose just 5 or 10% of our total body weight through eating well and exercising, we can begin to see some pretty significant health benefits. And any small but effective steps we can take towards healthier bodies is probably worth the trouble in the long run. At the very least, these efforts should help with the human zombie preparedness efforts. Wrong episode. Sorry. So there you have it. As it turns out, body fat is the misunderstood evil villain in this very human story. Or it's the underdog, depending on which episode of this two-part series you listen to first. As a final note, if it wasn't clear throughout this episode, we want to be sure to mention that this entire time, we've been exploring body fat in terms of health and health outcomes, not in terms of personal preferences or beauty standards. Though the history of changing attitudes about body fat could have been its own full episode. In fact, there were at least seven topics in this adventure that could have also had their own full episodes. At any rate, if you think you may have too much body fat, and it may be affecting your health in a bad way, please remember that your body is not the enemy. It's just doing what it thinks is best, and there are healthy solutions out there that you can try in order to help your body get along a little better. That's all for now. Stay tuned, everybody. Please tell the other humans to listen to the podcast so I don't have to go back to my day job. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Health Science for the rest of us. If you like what you heard, be a pal and spread the love by sharing this podcast with a friend. If you're not sure how or if your friend just needs some help, you can both get some quick tips from our fun YouTube tutorial. Just tap on the link in the show notes from this episode. To learn more about the show in general, or to see some pretty hilarious health memes and videos, stop by our website at healthscienceforeveryone.com. We're also on Facebook in the group section and on Twitter under the name Health Science Podcast. That's all one word. For a limited time, Health Science for the rest of us, listeners, can save 20% on all NZT products at my online store by entering the promo code DARK42TOWERBEAMSUNSHINESTRAIN. No, 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 I told you we're not doing that. My apologies. www.irisspecialtystoreforthingshumansbiglarhealth.com Iris! Sorry. I'm hitting the button now. Is that how my voice sounds?